Chats from the Blog Cabin. Your favorite podcast is here. another episode of chats on the blog cabin i am joined by william william uh, you are the first person that i know that actually knows where goldsboro's from we actually had a conversation before we came on about wilbur's barbecue and he's so excited that it's back but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself um <laughs> uh i i am a jack of all master of none to start with um let's see um i've been an artist an author publisher an aircraft mechanic um uh, uh um uh, let's see master mason a, a preacher there, there's so many things that i've done a uh, design engineer uh doing industrial designs and, and um equipment design um but uh the, the the most recent thing has been uh jumping onto the the writer's journey and um i do have to say that w without the people at liberty con uh, three years ago, four, four years ago now, uh, I wouldn't be where I'm at because the connections and the information that they, they willingly give away there is so amazing for an author just trying to get their start and get their feet under them. Um, I started uh, Three Ravens Publishing the, in, was it, in 19... Published my first title at the end of 19 and published 32 titles last year. Wow. Um, not all of mine. I'm, I'm publishing for other people because, you know, a good story is a good story. It still needs to be told. Um, I've got four novels under my belt myself. Well, three and a half because uh, this one I co-wrote with a buddy of mine, uh, which I don't know if you're into space balls, but that should kind of look familiar because uh, that, that one right there is uh, the the pitch line that i've been th throwing out there is uh if space balls and the dukes of hazard had a love child while wrapped in everything that is the 80s you'd have smugglers run and it oh. is just horribly bad cheesy b-rate you know both of us love space balls and ice pirates and and all these classic sci-fis from the 80s so <laughs> we throw it all together like that um, so is sci-fi mainly what you write then or do you write other things it depends on what the evil mind squirrels demand um it could be fantasy it could be urban fiction it could be romance i mean i've got a couple of romance stories jotted down haven't published them yet because ain't finished but whatever the muse was at that moment that said write this down i wrote it down um i've even got a western and a victorian romance idea in the slush pile that I, I'll eventually get back to, hopefully. Um, but it just depends. Sci-fi and fantasy are definitely the top end um, where I'm the most comfortable. The next would probably be post-apocalyptic. Like a Walking Dead type things? Um, yeah, but I, I tend to lean more towards um, like the video game Fallout. So you've got you know, nuclear holocaust, what's left of mankind, or something along those lines. Um, I've started a post-apocalyptic zombie series, um, and I'm going to probably take that to Kendall Bella, since that's a new thing coming out. It'd be perfect for it. Little snippets, uh, starting it out here, actually over in Chickamauga, and, and just see where the character ends up. Wow. So 
your varied career, because you said in the beginning that you were an Air Force mechanic, uh, Mason, uh, officiant, a preacher, a writer, an author, a design engineer, all these other things. Has that kind of created a, a world for you that you're able to draw from to get your characters for your stories? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the basis for anything creative is knowledge. So anything that I learn, uh, you know, going through the, the steps to become a master Mason, the ceremonies involved in that, well, they inspired some of the uh, stories that I've got planned here. Um, I don't even, it, um, I had a thief. I don't even remember the name of it right off the top of my head. But, you know, it's just one of those ideas that popped up and I ended up putting it into the slush pile because it was a good idea, but I'm not ready to write that yet. You know, the, uh, my brain still got to mull over the finer details and figure out what else is happening. Mm. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Experience in general. Um, the publisher who originally published this one didn't like how much aircraft stuff that I put in there. I mean, it, it equivalates to aircraft porn because I've got little details about the planes that only aircraft nerds are going to love. Um, but that's just me. I like aircraft. I love turning the wrenches on them. Uh, as I was starting to write my, my outline for this one, um, I went down to the Warner Robins Air Museum. They let me turn wrenches on the B-17. And I, I installed some brake lines and some other stuff on there. And um, they let me climb all over an A-26 and inside of a B-25. And I got to see the aircraft and, and you know, smell them. The, that, the sensation of just being there around them, smelling the oil and the, the aircraft fuel. It just It's something that clicks in your head. You know? um, and anybody that wants to be a writer, getting as much firsthand knowledge... I think is important because you put reality into it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you put that element of realism. Now, when you're getting into science fiction and stuff like that, you can fluff on it and kind of do what you want, especially when you get into fantasy with magic. But, um, you know, going, going to places, if you have a scene set in a particular place, if you can go there, do it, go there, sit for a minute, look at the area, um, you know, just watch the people going by. Uh, if you can't, Google Maps is a wonderful thing. You get down on Street View, yeah. and you can look around and see what's going on. Um, had uh, the Messenger of Death, um, kind of a it, it, it's similar to Pierce Anthony's um, Incarnations of Immortality series, and I started it out in Dublin. I can't get to Dublin; it costs too much. I would love to. I would absolutely love to go to Dublin, but I just can't can't do it. So. I'm sitting there going around on the streets, right there on Street View, like I was there. So, you know, I, I at least got some kind of sensation of what it looked like, and I could get some feel to it. So, like when you was talking about writing about Dublin, did you kind of immerse yourself in the culture, too, a little bit? Like eating Irish food, drinking Irish um, whiskey, things like that, and doing and immersing yourself in the culture when you write about stuff like that, or no? I already do that anyway. <laughs> I got just a wee bit of Irish in me. So how much other research do you do? You already talked about, you know, you go in places if you're writing about a place. So let's talk about like sensations and, and the food and the costumes, like how your, your characters are dressed or how they act. It depends on what I'm writing. Um, sometimes it could be something as simple as just needing to, to see what a character looks like in my head. And, a lot of times I'll know some or I'll use somebody that I know. So I have their, their mannerisms, their, their physical general appearance, you know, things like that. And I've already got that in my head. So it's easy to write them. I know how they were going to react. Um, my, <laughs> let's see. Here. I brought books. See, my first <laughs> novel, Flux Runners, when I get the glare off of it. Um, I know everyone in this book, except for two, which are conglomerations of people. Um, my wife is actually part of the crew on board the ship, but it just makes, makes it easier to put that character down and how they're going to react and how they're interacting with the others, 
Um, but when I'm doing something random, I might do a search online for a particular look or, you know, if I'm doing post-apocalyptic, okay, I need, I need somebody that's going to be a raider or a scavenger. I'll just do a Google search. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Like that picture. I'm saving that picture. Now I've got the look and I can kind of picture the attitude that goes with the look in that picture. And, you know, research can be as simple as that or, um, for my story for the Starflight anthology that I just did, I wanted to have something like a slug-like creature, so I started researching gastropods. And I, I was looking all over the internet for all these different types. And um, you, know, you, you got those big, huge banana slugs. They, they're just gorgeous, yellow and orange. And um, I don't remember the name of the one. There's one particular one that lives along the rims of volcanoes and it actually secretes a metal shell so it can survive the higher temperatures and the sulfur it's like that thing is just epic so i kind of took the size of the banana slug with this here metal monster of a slug and combined them together and i made a creature for my starfly story and it worked out perfect so where do you get the inspiration for your stories though oh god um that, that can be anything from I just see a word to hearing a song lyric or I it, wow that that just really depends on what's going on um, I, I've had ideas spurred like uh, shortly after me and me and the wife started dating we were at Applebee's and there was a lady sitting over at the bar talking to her friends. I couldn't hear a word they were saying, but her body language and the way that she was talking, she was definitely the dominant one out of the group. So she was kind of, you know, the leader of the pack or whatever. And just from that body language, I had this idea spur up and the wife ran out to the car to get me pen and paper. Cause I'm like, I, I need something. I need something now. I don't have a notepad. <laughs> So I'm scrambling to jot these notes down and she had some really thick, like, like curled up eyeliner makeup going on. And that helped add to it because it's just like, okay, cool. Well, she's got all that, but she's got these tattoos coming down like snakes. And she ended up being the starting bad guy in, uh, um, one of my Tara nice stories, which now that I've, Never password protect, read and write your files because people people aren't going to steal your files, guys. It's okay. Don't password protect them because when you lose your password and the thumbprint scanner, it sucks because it's 20 years later and you finally recover your files. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get to that series now that I can actually get to my files. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's weird. It, it could be anything that spurs an idea and I'm scrambling to find something to write on. But you know, luckily now I've got this so I can just send myself an email to look at later and I don't forget about it. Um, you know, wake up in the middle of the night from a dream. I keep a notebook, notebook right by the bed. So if there's something that just strikes me and I don't want to lose it, I'll get up and I'll jot it down or I'll, you know, or grab my phone and plug it in real quick if I can see straight. And um, that way I can retain all those uh, ideas. Any good writer has a pile of ideas and information and stuff just tucked away because you never know when something's going to come in handy. Mm -hmm. And anytime it's you kind of got an idea, you might have something in there. You just start scrolling through and looking through things like, oh, I can use that and I can use that and I can use that. And, and actually, um, that's exactly what happened with uh, my Dogs of War novel that I, I, I'm about 35,000 words into it right now. Uh, life got busy and I got sidetracked. So I got to get back to it and finish it for uh, the uh, Fallen World universe. Um, but I had like three or four different ideas that were sitting in the slush pile. And then it just kind of started becoming this cohesive idea where all these things work together. And I was like, great. Okay. I got this character and that character. Like, I got a bad guy now. Awesome. Come here, Jolene. You're over here. And it's just like it all messed together. So you never know when something's going to pop up. Never delete anything. Save it so all. How, so how do you keep it all straight with all your stuff that you've gotten? How do you be able to sort through it quickly? 
um well with the slush pile it's just piled up and just descriptive uh name file names and stuff so i got an idea of what that is when it comes down to the stories spreadsheets are your friend and i i'm i'm extremely frugal there's as, as frugal as i can be i hate spending money on crap that i really don't need um you know, there's there's Scrivener and all these other bits of software out there that people use and they swear by them. And I checked it out. It's like, okay, this is nice, but I'd probably spend way more time than I need to setting all this up and making my characters pretty with all their information. I don't need that. Give me an Excel spreadsheet, Google Docs. You've got uh, a Google Word document, a Google spreadsheet like Excel, and you just plug all your information in there and move on. Um, so, you know, free is good. <laughs> I love that. So take us through, okay. You get the idea for the book. You're on fire. You're going to start writing it. How long does it take you? Do you have a set schedule where you write, okay, I've got to write a minimum of so many words a day, or do you just say, I'm just going to write till I stop and then or until it doesn't hit me anymore. And then I'm going to stop on that and maybe go back and write something else. Like you just mentioned that you're writing one book, but you got to go ahead and stop and write finish writing something else first. Yeah. Um, it depends on whatever's going on on the given day. Um, so yeah, I'd started on dogs of war back in November and I got up to 35,000 words by December, but then we started watching grandbabies at night because, you know, uh, Steve was working third shift, need somebody to watch him. So, so they've been crashing here. I'm getting a little less writing time and all that. Um, on average, I try to get up at four o'clock in the morning, every morning. That's my writing time. The last two months, though, I've been doing more publishing during my writing time instead of writing because I've got the Starflight anthology that I managed to land and a deal with the IP holder for a game franchise. And they're letting us create fresh content in it. It's like, okay, cool. So that, that's kind of a priority because I think it might be a really good game changer and give, give my own writing a boost. Um, which is another novel that I got to knock out this year sometime. My list is crazy. Um, I don't even want to go through it. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Process-wise, it depends on the story. Uh, the more that you do it, the faster you're going to get. On average, two months to write 75, 80,000 words. Um, Smuggler's Run, that one took me and Chris three weeks to write but it was just flowing and we were we were having a blast doing it because he'd write a chapter and leave me in a predicament that i had to figure out how to get us out of so <laughs> we were trying to screw each other over every chapter it's like all right figure it out now it's all you buddy and it, it was just a blast to write and we had so much fun doing it we were laughing all the way through um so it really depends on what it is. Uh, you know, writing my Starflight short story. I love that game. I spent way too many hours playing that game back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. But I struggled to get the story done. It just it wasn't wanting to flow. But I had all this other stuff going on that, you know, distractions happen. Um, you know, we had, a, we had this road project going on. They're doing a bridge project. So we had to move our fence and move all of our garden out to the back. And that was like, two and a half months worth of just yard work trying to get everything done. And I managed to get them to extend the, uh, the, the drop dead date because I needed to move trees. And uh, that, that was an interesting adventure. We moved nine year old plum trees that had just fruited last year. And Oh my God, they were so good. And I wasn't going to lose them. So oh, we wait. dug them up, put my engine hoist in the back of the pickup, lifted them straight out of the ground, then drove them around back and put them in a hole. I don't blame you. Those trees are hard to come by. I mean, trees that are going to um, have fruit blossom. No, you don't want to give oh, those yeah. up. And, not. and with the, the amount of, of fruit that they were putting out, I could easily make wine with that. If they produce again this year. Wow. So what made you decide to start taking from being a writer to a publisher and being an indie publisher? <sighs> That was more for me. Um, I wanted to have a place to publish my own stuff to start with. 
But at the same time, I wanted to give others a place that they have a chance to publish because not everybody can figure out the ins and outs of Amazon and things like that, which I'm, I'm moving a lot of stuff over to Ingram and Sparks because we get expanded distribution worldwide with that. Um, so, you know, I'm helping myself out, but at the same time, I'm helping others. And like I said, there, there's, there's so many good stories out there that don't get published just because they don't get picked up by a publisher. Well, I'm not Bane. I'm not Tor. Now, I'm not even looking to get rich off of this. If I can get to where I'm making a decent living off of my writing, epic. If I'm making a little bit extra on the side with Three Ravens, cool. And see, I, I'm just the top of the Three Ravens. Um, Benjamin Tyler Smith and R.J. Layden are the other two Ravens. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're my partners in, in crime. I do the majority of the work right now because they've got life going on. Um, but it is what it is, you know, and we're making this thing happen. Um, I've honestly found that I'm really enjoying the publishing side of things. Um, not only am I learning from it just on the edits, the more that I edit, the more that I'm finding stuff in my own work. So that that's helping to improve my craft. Um, I started, well, back in September of 19, uh, we had a little convention here locally that was called Next Chapter Con. And uh, at that convention was a bunch of members of my old writing group. See, I was part of the Chattanooga Writers Guild for years. Yeah. And I ended up spinning my wheels a lot with them because they were just basic critique groups. They get together once a month. They kind of talk about stuff and then go about their ways after everybody you know, beat each other up, but nobody ever did anything with it. And it's like, we were having the same things over and over and over. And a lot of the issues did stem from, there is a difference between literary fiction and pulp fiction. Anybody mm -hmm. writing horror, sci-fi, fantasy, urban fantasy, that's all pulp. The rules do not apply the same as literary fiction. So if you're in a literary fiction writing group, and they're marking you on stuff that you go back and pull out your Robert Jordan or, or Heinlein or H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, and you wrote like they did, that's okay. Don't worry about it, because they're marking you up on the literary side. It's different. Um, but I, I'd had my own writing group back then. Mm -hmm. um, life, cancer, things like that happened. Shut up, alarm. And... Um, at that convention, you know, some of the, the members that were in the old group saw saw me there and was like, hey, when when we starting a group back up? Uh, we're not. Because I didn't want to go back into that same cycle of just nothing. Yeah. And I started thinking about it. It's like, you know, we could do this and we could be a support group. Where we're not critiquing each other's stuff unless somebody specifically asked for something. And at the same time, we started producing works. So we're helping each other out. We're doing production, little flash fiction collection. Mm -hmm. And when we go in there, we all get into editing so we can all see what each other is marking because everybody's going to catch things differently. I suck at grammar and spelling and punctuation. The wife, she's great at it. But you give me some technical stuff or flow issues, I'll catch that all day long. So, you know, we, we use that and we build on that with each other. Um, and if, anytime that somebody's needing help with research or they 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 don't know how to find this information, they'll pop a question in and then we'll go on the hunt. And one of the bonuses to LibertyCon, we know physicists, brain surgeons, uh, nuclear physicists, you name it, we can find it. Mm. And, you know, we can get source material for or whatever you need. Um, it, it's it's an amazing community with LibertyCon. And that, I, I can never say enough about that place because it changed everything for me with writing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've really started to enjoy doing the publishing side of things because I'm learning and growing and I'm helping other people out at the same time. 
With your publishing company, what particular type of books or novels do you look for? Fun. I mean, really, there, there's a lot of good stuff out there that the big boys publish. But I want to claw my eyes out sometimes because it's dull and it's boring. But it's great works. I mean, it, I mean it's written well. It just don't strike me. I want the stuff that's fun and enjoyable and it's action-packed. I mean, think Indiana Jones. Think something fast-paced. And, and that's that's the kind of stuff that I like to write. And that's the kind of stuff that I look for. If it strikes me as something like that, like an Indiana Jones or an Alan Quartermain, or you know, you get into Starship Troopers or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I want that. Um, if you're trying to change people's way of thinking and be some profound literacist, no, no, okay, <laughs> send that off to Bain or or somebody. I, I'll be bored and I won't want it. Um, thought provoking would be good. Information is good, but uh, if that's the goal and the stories are, um, oh, what's the word? They, they're they're mission oriented to get a point across. It's like, okay, maybe depends on the story. Mm. Um, so you mentioned Liberty Con a couple of times. Tell us what that is for people who don't know what that is. Uh, Liberty Con is a writer's literary convention. It is probably one of the best business of conventions for indie authors to go to if they can get in. Um, the last couple of years, good luck at getting the golden ticket. They sold out in nine minutes the last time. Oh, wow. Uh, that, that was insane. I mean, I'm glad that I'm, I'm staffed with Liberty Con now. And, and that's running gag. You go to your first Liberty Con, you'll be staffed next year. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but staff get... Staff get first dibs because they've worked hard on it, and, and actually this year they made me the uh, uh, the literary and the publishing track director for Virtual Liberty Con. Um, and here, after we get done with this, I've got to record for Chris Kennedy for his "What's New with Chris Kennedy" pe panel. Um, and you know, I I don't mind doing it. It's all volunteer work, but it's giving back to the community that's helped me get where I am because it. Um, the turning point for me when it came down to, because I, I was struggling. I was trying to figure out how to go about the business of writing. Um, I, at one point I was working 60, 70 hour work weeks. We had babies, life was busy and I didn't get time to write. I, mean, I, I get headaches when I can't get something out of my head because it'll sit there and they'll just stew and stew and stew. And I was about this close to burning everything that I had wrote down, all my notes. I'm glad the wife saved them and she hid them away until I was ready for them. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know why. No matter how many times she would tell me that my writing is good or anybody else would tell me my writing was good, it never, it didn't click right. But I went to that first Liberty Con um, in 17. And Charity Ayers was doing a little writing workshop. And in that writing workshop, we had to write for 15 minutes. And then we got to read it out loud and everything. And I've thought about that for the last couple of years. What was it? Because that really is what spurred it all. I mean, I got my first offer for an anthology. You to jump in an anthology at that con. And oh, wow. I joined in on, um, uh, what was it, Shaddaa Toys. And the little snippet that I wrote in that 15-minute segment of Charity's actually got included in my story for, for Shaddaa. But um, when it come down to it, she gave me permission. Someone I did not know from Adam, never met her until that day, she gave me permission to write. Oh, wow. And that that's the best that I can figure of what it was, because since then, it... <laughs> It has been gangbusters. I mean, it, it's a passion. And I know I can get obsessed. I did that on my previ previous pen name attempt, and I got sidetracked doing a podcast. 
thinking that was the way to promote myself. I, I've had my pirate radio station. I've, I've checked so many things off of that list. Um, but I got sidetracked on doing the podcast and not writing so much. Almost caused a divorce. So you have to <laughs> learn to rein yourself. You, you have to learn to rein yourself in, especially on a passion that you can get obsessed and just immersed into. But the things that I learned doing that podcast, contacting people, talking to people, arranging stuff. You know, me and Taylor Anderson, we're still pretty good buds uh, to this day. And he, uh, he had just turned in book three of the Destroyer Men series when I had him on to do an interview on the show. And, you know, the man's known worldwide now. He's he's New York Times bestselling author. And it's just like, mm-hmm. cool. I know Taylor Anderson. I got him on my phone. I just <laughs> call him up. It's like, you know, it's so weird, but it's so cool at the same time. Um, um, brain work. <laughs> yeah, I went on a side tangent. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You but, mentioned that when you were writing, life got in the way, and you mentioned the word cancer. That that word always sticks out for me because I've had my dad um, ultimately died from cancer, and so did my sister. So let's talk about that. Because you mentioned that um, when you were talking. I'm trying to think of when that was exactly. Let's see. He was about okay, so eight years ago. Um yeah, was that 2013? Yeah. Uh so in 2013, because the littlest one was a, he wasn't even quite a year old. And uh, the wife, she she had got out of the shower and was toweling off and was like is there something on my neck? And her neck was swollen out. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> that wasn't there yesterday. Um, and it ended up being cancerous uh, thyroid. So she had her thyroid removed, you know, went through the, the treatments and all that. Um, and you know, all the writing, everything else, it, it took a complete backseat at that point. And that's when I stopped the podcast and, and, um, you know, things shifted around. Um, but it has to. Mm-hmm. You know, family comes first. Um, what was it? The, it was about a year or so after after her surgery that things started to get balanced back out because, you know, uh, taking the, the, the levothyroxine, you know, mm-hmm. they got to get that balance just right. Um and was it in the process of all that we had uh her father passed away downstairs um just lots of life started happening happening in that time period we had like 14 people living here at one time oh wow so we bought we we ended up buying a big house to start with because we were going to be a stepping stone for others we were hot bunking at one point You know, third shift would come in while everybody on on regular day shift were waking up and going to work, and they'd go jump into bed someplace. <laughs> but you know, family takes care of family. Yep. So that also, you probably took all that experience and channeled it into your writing as well. Once you were able to get back into writing, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, that that ends up. Oh, flux runners and wildcat for sure. Um, that's prevalent all through those i mean it it, you take care of family you take care of those within your circle you know you watch out for the babies you watch out for the kids um it's just things that strike close to heart you know um and i i know it it screwed with the publisher um I got another book. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wildcat. I managed to put a lot of my hillbilly stuff in because I, I grew up in southern West Virginia. And I actually mm-hmm. went to that church. That that church is unfortunately about to fall in. But uh, the hillbillyism got wrote into it. Lots of ways of life. A lot of people didn't realize 
things were like that back home. And they still are to this day. I mean, there's places you don't go up. You don't go into some hollers because you may not come out. <laughs> mm, wow. So let's talk about how you're able to take things that you've learned and create uh, so many very different genres that you write about. I mean, because honestly, you're talking about space and now you're talking about hillbillyisms. Have you ever been yeah. able to combine space and hillbillyisms together? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, a little bit in Flux Runners, a little bit in Smuggler's Run. I mean, what was it? Smuggler's Run. My main character, his, his uh, name is Van Hagar because he was raised by aliens. And when he was going and learning about humans, he found out about Earth and he started going through all the information, all the all the decades and stuff of, of about Earth. And then he came across the 80s. And he decided to rename himself Van Hagar. It was, you know, the lead singer from his favorite band. And, uh, he, you know, he's sporting the mullet with the, the denim outfit and the ostrich, ostrich skin boots and stuff like that. So, well, maybe, maybe not so much hillbillyisms as a uh, redneck, but, uh, yeah, li little things like that get slotted in there. Um, you know, good old boys using what they've got, uh, flux runners, these, these guys, if you, if you ever watched uh, firefly flux runners is similar, a uh, little bit grittier, a little bit more down to earth, like, uh, military members. Um, they don't, they, they hold no punches, you know, they, they get right down to it. Um, but they're always trying to survive by the seat of their pants. So they're making do with whatever they got. And if they got to patchwork it, they patchwork it. And it just is what it is. And they move on, you know, do you ever see any of your books becoming a movie or a mini series or anything like that? I would absolutely love that. And it, yeah, smugglers run flux runners. I would love to see those done up as a, as a movie. Um, my Draven series, uh, it's similar to Conan set, set in the, the same kind of series set in the same kind of setting, you know, antediluvian, um, things are still unknown. Dark magic is everywhere. Kind of thing. I, I would love to see that set up on, on film someplace. Um, God, I got so many ideas that would turn into TV series or my sci-fi. I tend to write cinematic instead of real physics. So more like star Wars or star Trek because it translates well to screen in that hope that somebody's going to see it and go, Oh, cool. Now with, with smugglers run the creator of that universe uh, it, it's part of the salvage universe, which was created by Kevin Steverson. He's actually signed a movie contract for the first three novels in the series. And if all goes well, the rest of us might get a chance on getting something made up for a movie too. So we, mm -hmm. we've got the stupid comedy with smugglers run. So <laughs> <laughs> stupid comedy. I love that. Now I interviewed one author who was like, he, when he was writing, he had a particular character. He he had a particular actress in mind when he was writing his main character. Do you have a particular actor or actress in mind when you're writing uh, who would be perfect to play this person? Or do you just kind of not do that and you just have your character in mind, period? It depends on the story that I'm writing, but generally, yes. Um, well, okay, Smuggler's Run. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, um, played Stifler. Um, in America Pie. Mm -hmm. I know who you're talking about. Um, Sean William Scott. You know, whatever reason, I started writing that character. And he's the first one that popped in my head, got him with the mullet. There we go. There's Van Hagar. You know? Um, most, most of my characters, they if I don't already have somebody chosen, then they get an actor or something like that, just so I've got those mannerisms. Um, was it uh, the the captain? Um, from my story, Aiden, Simon Pegg is the captain, and um, you know his name is Aiden, but the computer keeps calling him Adam because it got screwed up in the crash. Um, <laughs> that that one's an interesting tale, um, but. It, it just all depends on the story. If I've got somebody I actually know versus using somebody from TV or movies. 
Wow. So what's next up for you besides doing Liberty Con and everything else? Oh, God. Um, well, I've got all the recordings and everything that we're doing for Liberty Con for sure. Got to finish those up in the next week or so. I've actually got Chris Kendi tonight. I've got Steve Jackson, Eric Flint, uh, Bill Fawcett tomorrow night. I'm, I'm recording them. Um, the next big thing is going to be Starflight for me. Uh, getting the anthology out. Um, was it uh, Zoomers? by John Drake. We just got that edited, sent out to early readers. So that'll be due out June 1st, which, ooh, can I share a screen? You sure can. Ooh, ooh. Let's see. Window. So there's Zoomers. And that is, uh, think Hitchhiker's Guide crossed with Doctor Who. And you, you've got a really good, funny... Um, British comedy style uh, satire. Um, the Starflight Anthology, that's coming up July 1st. And after that, I've got to sit down and actually write the, the novel for that one. Um, and I've got a whole... What is it? There's, there's four or five other authors that are starting on their uh, novels for the, or for, uh, the series, too. And that one, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, I asked a question. I, I just, I, I honestly just um, had a random thought one day because I'd found where Starflight, um, I shared, shared another one there. I found out where Starflight was up on GOG and it was like two bucks for the first and the second game. It's like, oh, awesome, great. Because the old copies don't work on modern machines. They're just the modern mm -hmm. machines are too fast. So I got it. I started playing it. It's like, why hasn't anybody wrote in this universe? And um I looked for some fan fiction. There was nothing out there. So I tracked down the creators of the game and asked them, hey, why haven't haven't any, hasn't anybody wrote in it? And they told me I could. It's like, really? I get okay, sure. Let's do this. And <laughs> so I wrote up a contract. I sent it to Rod. He signed it. They, you know, got to keep keep everything running run smooth. So you know, he's the IP holder. He gets his cut. But we get the right to uh, create fresh content in the universe, and just run with it. Um. And if we do this right then there's a good chance that Greg will get to make the next video game. He, he had already started on setting up Starflight 3. They did a fig campaign. It's similar to Kickstarter, but mm -hmm. not a lot of people heard about it. Um, but they actually had 460000 to 500000 pledged for the new game. So even though it was a failed campaign, there's life in the community to get that much money pledged for a, a brand new video game. Um. So I jumped all over it and I've been pushing hard for this because I love the universe. Why not write in it? The man yeah. gave me permission. It's like, it's game on. Yeah. Um, other than that, I need to knock out Dogs of War, which is um, kind of parallel to Wildcat. Uh, same universe, same kind of time frame. Um, you run into some of the people from, uh, from Dogs of War in Wildcat. You get you get a little taste of them. Um, I've got uh, Shepherd's Call, which is the first book in the Black Wish universe, and then um, the next level, Noobs of Ravenmore, which is a lit RPG series that I'm going to be kicking off this year. Um, lots of busy stuff. Oh, and Steam Jacks, a steampunk series that we're going to kick off. Wow. And th these are shared universes too. So more than one person can get in here as long as we've got cross ties and we're abiding by the rules of the universe, you know. Um, uh, other than that, I've got the JTF universe that we signed over um, from Canon Publishing, which that, that's the first novel of the JTF universe is my novel, Widowmakers. Um, it wasn't going where the publisher wanted, to, wanted it to go. 
So he signed it over to three Ravens and now I've got control of it. I've got six novels setting in queue. Um, four more being written that I know of at least. And um, the, the next one that's supposed to be published is going to be Sea Serpent by John Stacey Worth, but he had bypass surgery Friday. Mm -hmm. So just, just waiting on him to heal up. He gets around to doing his edits and we'll get it out and go from there. But I'm not pushing him on it. I love the collaboration that you, you form. It's not, it's, it's, it's community over competition, right? Oh God. Yes. And, and honestly, if anybody out there, if anybody's got their head stuck up their rump and thinks they're better than everybody else, walk away from them. They're not worth their time of day. I mean, really, it's not worth the effort to try to talk to these people and become their friends because you're not going to be. The community that I've learned through LibertyCon, it's family. And LibertyCon becomes a family reunion every year. But we come together and we talk through things. And, you know, I, I just get on the phone and call this guy, that guy. So that every, every one of us have our different specialties. You know, some were special forces there. You know, I got a couple of SEALs, ex-Navy ex SEALs that I can call and get information if I need. You know, I've got Army Rangers and it just depends on what the situation is. Hey, you know, what about this? And it, it works as a great greater community that we can all boost each other because you know what? Readers are going to read. There's no such thing as stealing readers from somebody else because, you know, that book that took you two, three months to write. They're going to read it in about two or three days and they're yep. ready for the next one. Yeah. So there's plenty of readers to go around. So our time is almost up. Is there one last nugget that you want to leave us with? Um, yeah. Something that I, I had to learn the hard way. Um, back during the original podcasting days, which TDB Pirate Radio is on the air again. And we do it once a month and it's just for fun. But during that first bit of podcasting, one of my early interviews was with uh, Ben Bova. Uh, he is the grandfather of modern day science fiction right there with Arthur C. Clarke, Ben Bova, or I mean, uh, Heinlein and, and um, those guys. Um, and he was even nice enough to let me do the interview twice when it, when it didn't record right. But he, he told me, it's like, if you're going to do it, do it. Set your time. This is when you do it. This is your writing time. No ifs, ands, or buts. And it really didn't click in, in in the chaos of that early bit of writing. But now I get up at 0400 every morning, unless I'm just dead tired or sick, and I write. Or, well, now I'm publishing, but that's going to change here soon. I, I'm getting some of this publishing stuff out of the way so I can sit, get some writing time in. It does. But, but seriously. Set your time, whether it's morning, afternoon, evening, find your space. You know, if you have to get out of the house to get away from chaos, do it. I go down here to Pie Slingers, I get me a pint, and I write. You know, I got my bar stool. They know me. I walk in, they bring the beer, I'm just doing my thing. Um, you know, you have to make it happen. The standard is if you do it for more than two weeks, it becomes habit. Mm -hmm. So do it. Form that habit because it's a good habit to have. And yeah, life gets in the way sometimes. Things change. And that's all right. Um, oh, and something else, this lifestyle with writing and stuff like that, it's not good on the body and our paunches kind of get bigger and rounder. Go exercise. Go for walks. Get off your fat butt and do it because you're going to need to. We get older and things don't work so good. <laughs> I love that. I, I'm I'm doing that now, man. I'm making it habit where I'm going to the gym pretty much every day because I got to get under 200. I feel like crap. I've gained weight sitting here, and you know, snacking all day long, being at the house. Mm. So it's just it's part of the gig. You got to take care of yourself and keep your health as one of the priorities too. Okay, and where can people find you at? Uh, you can find my stuff at williamjosephroberts.com. Um, I'm pretty much on just about every social media platform there is. Uh, you can find things from Three Ravens Publishing at threeravenspublishing.com and pretty much just about every social 
media platform there is. <laughs> um, yeah, just do a Google search. You'll find us. Trust me. <laughs> do a Google search. I love that. And are you accepting new publications for submission? Yes. Uh, there are submission guidelines on the Three Ravens page. Um, we had a recent submission. I was so happy. They actually followed all the guidelines. I'm like, oh, my God, somebody did it. Yes. <laughs> and um, pretty much we, we're, we're looking for anything. As long as it's good, it's fun. Um, we don't get into smut. But I know somebody that will publish smut. So if you send it, I'll direct you over to them. Um, okay. But uh, pretty much as long as there's nothing explicit, I mean, you can get into some romantic, a little bit of touchy-feely, heavy petting, but then fade to black. Um, we're not looking for gun porn. We're not looking for a physics lesson. You know, if you're a David Weber wannabe, then send your stuff to Tony over at Bain. Um, that That's not fun to me. I mean, David writes amazing stuff. I skip the physics lessons because, you know, it's just like Anne Rice. Two pages to describe a chair is too much for me. Yeah. Oh, so, but yeah. Well, William, I want to thank you so much for coming on and being on Chats from the Block Cabin. And you've a wealth of knowledge, and I can't wait to see what else you come out with again. And also, I can't wait to see maybe one of your anthologies become a TV show or a movie or something. Like Fingers that, crossed. That would be happy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And then, you, and then I'll have you back on when you talk about going into production for all this stuff, because you're more than welcome to come back <laughs> on and talk about that. So I want to thank you for coming on. Thank so you. Guys, I appreciate it. So, guys, we will see you on the next chat from the Block Cabin. Bye. Chats from the Block Cabin. Hit subscribe, Hit subscribe and, and don't, don't miss, miss the next, next episode. episode.